Good morning, everyone. So this webinar uh, is very special because it's the first one in 2023. The title of this webinar is Techniques to Improve Nutrient Use Efficiency, Social, Environmental, and Cost-Saving cost Benefits from Mitigating Environmental Nutrient Losses. And we are so lucky to have a guest speaker uh, this morning, Louis Poiron from GrowSafe. Um, and Louis will be able to uh, share more about who he is, what he does, and as well as today's webinar. So without further ado, I will welcome Louis to share. Thank you, Louis. All right, good morning, everyone. Yes, yeah, you'll sound, you'll, you'll see that I talk funny. I'm, I came from Canada 17 years ago today, actually, um, and uh, have always been involved in agriculture and plant and soil health. and. Um, uh, yeah, 17 years in Australia, it's given me enough time to, um, to wrap my brain around, uh, you know, how plants and soils function in different environments. Um, and, uh, you know, started, been with GrowSafe now for four years, uh, this month. And, um, uh, there's a, there's a lot to be learned from, from having seen, um, Having seen, you know, uh, plant and, and and soil life, you know, both northern southern hemisphere, different climates. So anyway, um, thanks for thanks for participating, everyone. I hope you uh, you know ask lots of questions. Um, we'll try and cover everything. We've just got a seven slide uh, presentation, and uh, thanks, Lara. By the way, um, we also have with us uh, Tom Frost, who's uh, who's uh, part of part of uh, GrowSafe AMF. So yeah, we'll go through quickly these seven slides so that the, uh, the participants uh, have an idea of what we're sort of going to cover and then quickly, and then we'll go back to the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the uh, first slide and, and uh, work our way through more in depth through each one to, to, uh, to you know, hopefully raise some questions and answer some questions. Um, so yeah, look, um, yep, GrowSafe is a, sort of a sub-brand of Australian mineral fertilizers. Um, where GrowSafe AMF is, you know, actually, uh, you know, we see ourselves as much as a, a food company as a fertilizer company. But uh, what we're really about is is minerals, trace elements, and and microbes. So. Uh, we look at, um, you know, the three sort of dimensions of, of food production, soil and plant health. So the physical, chemical and biological side of this whole ecosystem. So that's grow safe. Uh, so look, um, obviously with Strata Green, we're looking at, uh, you know, uh, more commercial sized products on either, you know, to be used on golf courses or, you know, landscaping, um, footy ovals, cricket ovals, um, uh, and, and that, in that side of, of the industry and, um, and, and how our products can, can help balance, uh, um, favorable outcomes in, in what we're trying to do. So, First of all, uh, you know, I can compare, um, say, a footy oval or a, a golf course to, to a monocrop, say, in Broadacre. 
right? Okay, so a monocrop is just a single species of plant or maybe a couple of species of grasses, let's say, that, that grow on, on an oval or, or a golf course. So whenever you have a monocrop, right? There's no monocrops in nature. So whenever you have a monocrop, it can lead to a monoproblem because nature always tries to balance itself. So, and in nature, there's diversity. So when we try to narrow that diversity, we need to be aware that a balance wants to be uh, reestablished. And if we're trying to, to, to culture an imbalanced um, footy oval with only a couple of species of grasses, there's gonna be an imbalance in in the in you know in the biological side or the the uh, the um, animal side so you know for instance you might get a you know a black beetle problem emerge or some sort of fungal problem because the balance of, of biodiversity isn't there for it to be all self-controlled right so nutrient use efficiency is affected by all these things. So what we're talking about there, nutrient use efficiency, is the scale of a plant's capacity to uptake fertilizer nutrients. Right, so you've got, um, you know, again, the physical, chemical, and biological side of soil and plant health. And, you know, biology is being spoken of a lot more in broadacre, in pastures, and even in golf courses and, and, you know, footy cricket ovals or landscaping, you know, around, around um, uh, city properties, you know, parks, right? So, uh, you know, factors such as soil moisture, temperature management practices, soil biology and fertilizer characteristics can influence nutrient use efficiency. And um, so I'm also a bit of a microbiologist. So, you know, this biology side, biology is also a science and it's a bit more challenging than, you know, the physical or chemical side of, of say soil health because biology is a living thing. So it's a bit of a moving target and it might evolve in ways that, that are a bit harder to predict than a certain chemical reaction, right? So, but it's nevertheless very, you know, very important. So um, once that's addressed, it helps to balance physical, chemical, the physical and chemical side. If we only address the physical and chemical side of, of a system or an ecology, uh, we're missing out on, on, a, on a large segment, the biological side and how that influences the health of a monocrop, right? So research suggests the uptake efficiency of traditional fertilized fertilizers can be as low as 50% for nitrogen, right? So this, this is all based on, on a lack of addressing the biological side, in my opinion, and the type of fertilizer you use, you know, in what form. So nitrogen is not just nitrogen, you know, you, there's liquid, Nitrogens, we do, we do granular, we use granulars. 10% um, of the phosphorus up to 90% loss or locked up. So why is that? 
you know, there's some, there's some basic things we can look at, you know, 40% potassium up to 60% loss. Um, so because these inputs are costly, uh, if we use the correct input at the right time, correctly placed, um, we can make uh, better use of that dollar investment. All right, so that's a quick look at nutrient use efficiency. Uh, here's the next one is remaining nutrients can become environmental losses through volatilization, locked up or leaching. So volatilization, for instance, uh, some, some fertilizers, surface applied, we know urea is subject to volatilization. Uh, you can water it in, but then, you know, depending on, on, on the rate applied, um, you know, can have uh, an acidifying effect, and we know it has an acidifying effect uh, on the soil. And so, um, hence, then you can, um, you know, if you don't question these things and you just keep doing it, and then you, uh, then you think, oh well, I need to put some lime to lift the pH because you know the pH of the soil is a bit low, and we know that plants grow better in in a soil that's not so acidic. So. So then we put lime and then the next year we put urea on again and we acidify it. So then we go and we chase some, some lime to lift the pH and then you sort of start chasing your tail. So we, if, if we look at back up and look at the big picture and say, okay, um, what can we do different? So this is what, this is why this, you know, AMF and, and GrowSafe was created in the first place, having, a, you know, questioning things and having another look and choosing, you know, better inputs and addressing, you know, uh, you know the, the three-legged stool, the physical, chemical, and biological side of a healthy system, right? So volatilization uh, locked up. So locked up, uh, you know, it's, it's primarily a calcium-phosphorus bond that, that, um, that's, giving, that's giving us issues. So, you know, some of the first fertilizers that, that come out were... Uh, you know, superphosphate. So that's that's a plant available phosphorus that's you know been been manufactured. So um, you know you can see an effect. But then you start chucking some lime on there, calcium, or naturally occurring calcium in the soil. Right away, phosphorus is very reactive. So then that's what that's what happens when it becomes locked up. All right. So and if if we're not if we're not creating a healthy rhizosphere with healthy roots, uh, including you know, mycorrhiza, you'll hear mycorrhiza a lot, um, to access that phosphorus, okay? And then leaching, obviously, you know, can apply some fertilizer, but if the plants aren't requiring that amount and you have low carbon in your soil to, to provide a buffer to hold those nutrients, then it can be subject to leaching and you're, you know, watering too much, or there's, you know, too much rain, and you haven't got a, a buffer in organic matter to hold these nutrients, and so forth, or chelated fertilizers, uh, then there again, you can, you can uh, lose, lose invested dollars to leaching. All right, so uh, this is, this is a bit, you know, a the basis of, of our success is, you know, nutrient use efficiency, addressing all the limiting factors. Uh, so it's not just NPKs, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, sodium. Uh, 
you know, that you can add as a fertilizer and see a visual result that might make you feel good, uh, especially in, in, in broadacre and in horticulture and, you know, uh, animal production. Um, you can get lush green growth, which looks good, uh, but um, you'll eventually compromise the rest of the system if, if you dilute the other minerals with an excess of NPKS, right? So we, these other trace elements have a lot to do with animal health at the end of the day and plant health. Many of them have play a huge role in, in plant health, silica and, you know, molybdenum for, you know, uh, for rhizobia to be able to, uh, uh, you know, infect roots to, to fix nitrogen. Um, so, and, and there's, there's a microbe attached to every one of these trace elements to, you know, phosphobacter to, to help solubilize and make these minerals plant available. So, and then, you know, uh, the, the microbe side, there, you know, we're, we're still learning. There's a tremendous amount to be learned through observation and, and, and results and uh, addressing and inoculating, you know, with, with beneficial microbes that have been either compromised or taken out or neglected, right? So uh, the two work together. Okay, so uh, just looking at, uh, so colony forming units. So there's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of results and research and trials have been done over many years. Um, and uh, this is, this is mainstream now. So uh, these microbes, as a microbiologist, I can see these under the microscope. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And um, uh, the, the microbes we use uh, are, are, you know, again, diverse. So uh, what, what we're doing is reestablishing re the, re the diversity of microbes. If, you know, if, we're, if we've got monocrops growing, such as uh, grasses or, you know, uh, um, if you're, if you're broad acre cropping, you'll just do one sort of species of plant uh, in, in, in the paddock once a year and spray everything else out. So that, that takes out the diversity of microbes that supports this growing system, right? So, um, and these microbes play a role in, in plant health defense, but also uh, remineralizing and um, nutrients and taking up those nutrients into the plant, right? So we cannot neglect uh, microbes. Everything is microbially driven, whether you inoculate your plants or not, you know, uh, a conventional, a conventional system uh, more than likely uh, addresses only the physical and chemical side of, of production. Um, and then the microbes, well, they're there. But some of the things we do compromise the microbial side, right? So it's, it's very important to address all three, obviously. I can hammer that home as much as, as possible. 
Right, so backed by evidence, uh, 20 years research and development. So um, this has been you know, demonstrated uh, time and again uh, through uh, agricultural associations, farmer-led uh, uh, research groups. Um, uh, we've got one going on at the moment uh, near near the plant at Tenterton, near Cranbrook, uh, Tambalup. So, you know, just a just a trial as a demonstration uh, on on uh, you know determining the outcomes of of inoculating you know a wheat crop in this instance, right? And and um, you know evidence that that uh, we see in results uh, that. Uh, that uh, uh, from programs we've done with with other clients, I've I've worked with uh, you know shires uh, on ovals, for instance, and um, so the evidence we get back is oh gosh, uh, you know you you've 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 drought proofed our our system, you know uh, because having addressed the microbes and the trace elements. We've got better root development, which holds more moisture because this is carbon-based, right? So uh, carbon can hold you know, 14 or 16 times its weight in water. So if you have better root development, deeper as part of your management, um, you, you have a, a bigger biomass and, and, and you can see it in the evidence when, when people tell you, oh, well, you know, I haven't had to water as much. Um, you know, it, the, it, the crop hung on longer and so on and so forth. So, um, uh, let me read some notes here. <clears throat> uh, the other thing I got to mention while I think of it is, uh, you know, so in your, in, in the system that you're, that you're using, you have to understand uh, you, you may be getting benefits out of, out of certain processes, for instance, uh, you know, pesticides you may use, you may see a, an immediate benefit, but you have to understand that there may be some detrimental things that you need to repair. Okay, so let's just take an insecticide, for instance, a beetle, a beetle problem. Um, so that upsets, you know, you may, you may, you know, solve your, your problem temporarily, like taking a taking a Tylenol, but you know, long-term you can, you can uh, upset uh, that balance, that biological balance. So uh, just to explain that a little bit further, between, between the bacteria and the earthworm, there's about seven levels of, of microorganisms in there and they're all important. They're all a link in the chain in remineralizing nutrients. So if we take out black beetles, which are, you know, uh, quite a large uh, creature uh, you know, near the earthworm side, um, they're, they're, the, these pesticides aren't, aren't selective to the black beetle. You'll be, you'll be taking or affecting uh, the links in the chain all the way back down to the bacteria, right? So then what happens, you kind of shock the system when you do that, you might, you might get a, um, a desirable effect to stop your black beetles doing your, you know, causing you grief, but um, uh, you'll eventually get another problem manifest itself in either slower 
remineralization or the development of some, you know, plant disease. Okay, so, um, and so we, we, we get this feedback and we see this evidence, you know, when, when we uh, address the limiting factors, which is quite often the biological side and, and the softer on soil type uh, fertilizers. And, and that's the chemical side, for instance, uh, you know, one of the main differences is using sulfate of potash as opposed to muriate of potash, right? So muriate of potash is cheaper to buy, but it's potassium chloride. So depending on, on your proximity to the coast and, and you know, chlorides in the rain, uh, you know, if you add more chlorides, what effect does that have on the functioning of your soil in terms of, of the balance of nutrients, right? So that's the, uh, the chemical balance. So that leads me to, you know, soil testing. So uh, if you know where your starting point is by soil testing, well then, then you can balance that chemical side, which is, you know, calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, right? And we know what those balances are. Uh, and then, so if that's addressed as a limiting factor, then you address the, the, uh, the biological side. So we can balance physical, chemical, and biological things individually. And once those are balanced, well, then they balance each other. That makes sense. Um, so where are we? It's number six. Um, okay, so phosphorus, nu phosphorus nutrient use efficiency. So there, there's a facie group. So that's, a, that's one of the groups that um, has done trials, uh, you know, including our products uh, over the years. Um, there you can see uh, P units applied 16, phosphorus nutrient use efficiency 18.1%. When you're using GrowSafe, uh, you're gonna you know, apply less units, but if you have more use of those units applied, well, that means you can put less on make greater use of it through, you know, phosphorus, for instance, uh, the, big, the big influence there for phosphorus use efficiency is, again, mycorrhiza. What mycorrhiza means fungus root, it's naturally occurring, it's nothing that we magically dreamt up of in a lab, uh, but if we know and can see through a microscope that it's limiting or it's been compromised, we re-inoculate with it and yeah, you do get, uh, better use efficiency out of applied phosphorus. And then, yeah, again, the phosphorus source is important. Uh, we, we use, you know, muriate of potash, uh, sorry, uh, monoammonium phosphate instead of diammonium phosphate. And there, there's some subtle differences in, in their beneficial or negative effects on the soil. And, and then guano-based products, uh, natural-based phosphorus sources. All right, and all these products are available at Strata Green. So yeah, hopefully you've got some questions um, and um, yeah, we can start to address, address some. Um, so 
and along with this, uh, we were talking with Tom yesterday, uh, water use efficiency. So just one thing about water, if you're, um, if you use irrigation water, what's, what's your water source? Is it scheme water? Is it chlorinated? Um, what, what happens when you use a lot of chlorinated water? Uh, how does that affect your soil and plants long-term? So that's something to think about. That, that can also be addressed. But as long as you know that, oh, maybe, that, maybe I'm working against myself if I'm just applying using this, this water source, um, and what, what can I do uh, about, about um, the negative effects of, of my water source? First of all, thank you, Louis, for your sharing. Very educational, and I think um, everyone find it beneficial. We have a couple of questions that is actually submitted to us. Prior to the webinar, um, for registrant who knew that they wouldn't be able to make it live, and looking forward to get the recording. Um, there are some questions such as, uh, the first one would be, does improving nutrient use efficiency have an impact on water use efficiency? Very good question. Does nutrient use efficiency have an impact on water use efficiency? I, well, okay, so in terms of um, carbon deposition, right? So carbon is, is very important. Root development, the rhizosphere is carbon-based, you know? So carbon drives everything along with biology. So to get nutrient use efficiency, right? You need the right source of nutrients softer on soils source of nutrients and, and the diverse uh, nutrients um, along with the biology to get nutrient use efficiency, which grows a greater carbon, carbon deposition, right? So when plants photosynthesize, they put sugar in the soil, carbon, and they give the microbes nutrients or this carbon energy and, and then the microbes give the plant the nutrients. So you want to maximize the efficiency of that system. And, and if, if you're retaining your nutrients in this carbon buffer, of course, it, goes, it, 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 it um, stands to reason that you'll need less water. Okay, so water use efficiency uh, you know, you'll have less, less water percolating through your root zone if this carbon captures and hangs onto it. All right, so, and that's very important. If you, if you only get, you know, say uh, uh, 10 mil of rain, are you, is, is that going to be, is that going to run off the top because your soil is non-wetting? You know, a non-wetting soil is, is a system, is a, is a problem that that we created by using the you know too much of the wrong kinds of fertilizer and neglecting the biological side. Okay, so uh, if you address nutrient use efficiency, you'll address carbon and you'll address water use efficiency. 
That's amazing. Thank you for the answer, Louis. Um, I would like to invite um, all the partic participants as well. If you want to submit question, you can click on the Q&A section on the chat, and then we can answer that live. Um, while waiting for that, uh, the second question that has been submitted to us is also this one. Um, are there inputs or management activities that are detrimental to soil microbes? Once again, are they in are there inputs or management activities that are detrimental to soil microbes? Yep, interesting. Um, I'm working with a, a shire that um, uses, uh, you know, treated treated effluent in uh, to irrigate certain ovals because yeah, there's nutrients in this treated effluent, right? Um, so how does you know how does that affect things so you'll only know by soil testing and getting a scientific analysis of of what of what's going on in your soil having treated it with this effluent i suppose you can you could test the effluent uh but um you know if it's diluted a lot with water uh and and you spray it on your you know your oval in this case, or it could even be, I suppose, a, a golf course or you know a park. Uh, but um, the big thing there again is the biological side of this treated effluent. So it'll change the microbial function, which, and we said earlier, microbes govern everything. You know, from the soil up. So the soil is the stomach of the plant. So if you've got a ruined microbiome in the soil, you're not, you're not gonna feel good. So this, the, the, the input of, of a treated effluent, and another input or management thing is, is, is mowing. Um, and I don't know if any of you listening are, you know, uh, involved in, 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 you know, ground in groundskeeping, you know, to that extent, but mowing the timing of the timing of mowing and the frequency and how low you cut. Are you just, you know, for instance, um, if you're if you're mowing an oval, are you going by the clock? Oh, it's it's Thursday afternoon. This is when we usually mow the oval or the golf course. Well, plants don't grow so much by a clock, right? So the, the more you you know, you, you do need to maintain grounds for aesthetic reasons, but maybe we need to pay attention a bit more to the soil health reasons, okay? So maybe in the off season, you don't need to mow by the clock, say on an oval in, in the off season. Uh, because, you know, if you let grass grow more, you'll get more root growth, right? So on average, you'll get as much sort of root matter as there is above ground matter or biomass, right? So if you if you just keep that grass really short and you just mow out of habit or you know by the clock, and you don't let those roots develop, well, you're not gonna get as much carbon deposition to host beneficial biological life that that is responsible for mineralizing your nutrients, holding moisture and all the rest of it. So 
if we understand how that works, we can we can maybe question. Oh, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll wait wait a few more days before we mow so that the roots can grow bigger, deeper, build the carbon soil moisture holding bank, the the buffer of holding more nutrients. Right. So that's that's a management thing: the timing and frequency of mowing. Um, so that, those are just two things I can think of. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, and another one uh, that also came to us is what are some of the means to increase biological activity in the soil? Once again, what are some of the means to increase biological activity in the soil? Yep. So, uh, yeah, understanding that if you, if you overwater or use chlorinated water, affect the biology okay so initially obviously you can re-inoculate take a sample i can look at it under the microscope for instance to see what's there and what's not there what i'm looking for is diversity in microbial life so that all possible factors in nutrient uptake are addressed that means diverse biology so fungi and bacteria okay and there's thousands of species so I'm looking for diversity there. So we know we're limiting ourselves in diversity if we're monocropping, you know, grasses on an oval or a golf course or a park. So we, we need to, you know, have plants that host as many, uh, you know, symbiotic microbes as possible. Um, and, and, try to minimize the impact of, of some of the things we do that might be negative to that. While waiting for other questions that might be sent through, um, maybe Louis or Tom have any additional thing to say before we wrap up? Uh, just on um, furthering Louis' questions there, or uh, regarding the, uh, I guess, techniques to mitigate uh, uh, reduction in biological activity. So obviously there's certain uh, management practices that can influence that. Simple things like uh, ground cover. So bare soil, um, you know, UV exposure is pretty detrimental to that biological activity. So you're leaving soil exposed without anything, anything growing on that um, is generally regarded as pretty detrimental to it. Uh, obviously excessive uh, water. So uh, if it's areas that uh, there's not much uh, aeration going through that um, is something to keep in mind obviously chemical certain chemical use fungicides in particular can be quite detrimental so if, if those are applied we do recommend coming back with inoculation to address that so if you're, you're killing out one bad fungi you're also wiping out maybe um, some beneficial ones too so it's about that re-inoculation uh, and things like companion planting so there's certain plant types um, that do have uh, are renowned for their they uh, especially native Australian plants, for example, with their associations with uh, certain fungi like mycorrhizal, um, and it's important for their their reproduction processes. So there's a, there's a, there's a number of of reasons why to keep obviously your your biological activity health healthy and well um, in that soil. So fundamentally, I think those are the the key ones, Louis. But uh, unless you wanted to add any to it, 
Louis, would you say there's anything specific to, you know, uh, be it shires, be it uh, golf courses, uh, be it reveg, um, when it comes to nutrient use efficiency? So obviously Strata's here in, here in WA, we've got uh, the Swan River region, and that's quite, uh, quite susceptible to pollutants causing algal blooms. So you've got your, uh, what was addressed a number of years ago was the, the phosphorus impact on that. Um, what we've actually seen though is now we have nitrate blooms rather than phosphate blooms in, the, in this one. So is there any other means or, or, or strategies that could be addressed when it comes to those? You know, is it, uh, obviously we're, we're working with granular products. There's obviously liquid products in the market. There's obviously a whole range of different MPK products out there, um, which have varying levels of, of concentrations. But as you explained, it's not all, always about the, 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 the highest concentrate doesn't mean the best product from a, from a financial perspective or environmental perspective. Yep, exactly. So, you know, depending on soil type, on the, you know, the subsoil beneath your, beneath your, your surface plants that you're growing. So if it's sandy or clay, whatever. So depending on soil type um, and, and, and a soil test so that you know where the levels are to begin with, then you can determine the rate of application, but you may also need to look at split applications because the soil can only hold so much. The cation exchange capacity, you know, cations are, you know, positively charged. The soil is negatively charged. The soil particles, the clay particles in the soil are negatively charged. Well, if you have a sand soil, you haven't got many clay particles. So then you have what's called the cation exchange capacity. So if you have a, a soil based on soil testing results with a low cation exchange capacity, you're going to want to do split applications to mitigate losses. You know, there's there's um, uh, catchment groups right throughout the southwest. You know, water catchment groups that that um, that do soil testing, uh, and the focus is on you know mitigating phosphorus and nitrogen runoff into the waterways and hence into the ocean. Because uh, number one a waste of money. Number two, it's, it harms the environment. Um, and it, we can't keep going that way. So, um, yeah. Thank you for that, gentlemen. Tom, thank you for jumping in with that. Um, I think it's very important to be asked and um, it's great that Louis clarified and as well answer the question. I believe there is so many of us wanting to know the answer to that question as well. Um, yeah, so I think that was the last question for this webinar that we have covered. Uh, once again, for those who just join in and maybe um, missed the first bit of the information, don't worry, rest assured, you will get all the gold that Louis has shared today. Once again, on behalf of Strata Green, um, I would like to say thank you for Louis um, for sharing as well for Tom for being here um, on the webinar. Both of them are from GrowSafe. And if you have any question, anything at all, um, just shoot us an email, info at stratagreen.com.au. We will be able to assist you as well as um, work with Louis and Tom to get your questions answered. Um, that's the very last bit of the webinar. Once again, I thank you everyone who participated on the webinar. Um, again, for Louis for sharing such a invaluable um, 
information and we learned so much this morning and hopefully we can do it again um, and it, uh, sometime soon in the future.